you're gonna be doing sports, you're gonna be going to school, you're gonna be doing online school, you're gonna be, you know, doing all kinds of schooling, uh, reading a lot, a lot of books, right? Lots of curriculum. Uh, but, but Paul is saying, if you want to be a disciplined servant of Jesus Christ, you need to number one, first and foremost, most importantly, crave God's word, like long for God's word, like like really want to be in God's word. Not just like a to-do list, but really want to. Look at look at verse 6, okay? I'm getting that from verse 6. And remember, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and Timothy was a young guy, okay? and he needed to be challenged and encouraged to be a disciplined servant of Christ. And, and he was busy. He was a pastor. And Paul's going to say, I know you're a pastor, but I know, I know you're busy, and I know you're young, you want to do a lot of things, but... This is your number one priority. Number one is in verse six. In pointing out these things to the brethren, Paul says, you, you Timothy, you young man, you will be a good servant or a, a disciplined servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished. Okay, think of like a baby uh, being nourished from, from being fed by, by the mom. That's the wording there. Constantly nourished being nourished so that you would grow on what? On uh, a Becca curriculum? On, uh, you know, online school? On uh, survival books on camping? Uh, on Latin? How about Algebra 3? No, it doesn't say that, right? Look at it. Constantly nourished on the words of the faith. Okay, the Bible, your God's Word, uh, that's where the power is, that's where the nourishment comes from, and that's what's going to cause you to grow. There's really no other way around. There's no, no other way around. You can't, you can't shortcut this. It's, it's from God's Word. And of the sound doctrine, if you don't know what the word doctrine is, we're just talking about the, the main teachings of the Bible, like who Jesus is, who God is. you have been following. So, Paul's saying, hey, uh, Timothy, you, you already know these things, but you can't say, oh, I'll just put them aside, I'm already a pastor, I'm going to go. Uh, Paul's saying, no, you already know these things, you've been following these things, but make sure you're, you're being nourished, uh, that you're craving God's word. Number two, the second priority of a disciple of Christ, you need to avoid Avoid distractions. What are some things that distract you from from being a disciplined young person? From God's word, from prayer, from the things that really matter. Yes, that's words. Sports is 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 sports sinful? No. No, right? But they can distract you. Yes, Haven. Acting? Yes. Your brothers? Yeah. <laughs> what else? What are other distractions? Yes, exactly. School, yeah, if it's done in an undisciplined way, yeah. Pleasure, like what? Like cookbooks. Pleasure reading, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Paul says, avoid distraction. Look at, look at the first 
sentence of verse 7. It's the first one, okay? But have nothing to do, so saying avoid, with worldly fables fit only for old women. Now, that may be, you know, that, that, that may sound weird to us, but all he's saying is things that don't really help you grow, things that don't really nourish you spiritually, um, like, like what old women get into. Like, I don't know if you have a grandmother uh, who uh, who gets who gets into like something that's really distracting, whatever it may be, right? Um, and then they get together with their with their lady friends, you know, while they're, while they're playing bingo, and that's all they talk about. Like that, that's kind of the picture here. But but he's not saying that it only it only um, it only applies to older people or older women. He's saying anything that distracts you. Okay. Anything that can pull you away from, from the important things, specifically what he just talked about in verse 6, which is being nourished um, with God's word. Don't, don't be distract, distracted. Avoid distractions. Um, what, what are some strong distractions that you have to uh, really avoid um, in your day-to-day -day life, other than you know, reading other things? already mentioned. Things that easily distract you and then the next thing you know you're like, whoa, that was an hour of my time. Yes, hey. Texting with your What's that? Texting with your friends. Yeah. Building Legos. Yes. Social media, like, which one? <laughs> All of them. Yeah. Yes, fella. TV. Yeah. We're like, oh, I'm not watching a movie, you know, because a movie is two hours. But then you watch an episode, you know, it's 55, 52 minutes, and you watch three of them longer than a movie. <laughs> distraction. Are those sinful? No. Right, but, but they can definitely distract you. Uh, number three, okay, six, the, six, uh, the, the third priority of a disciplined servant of Christ. Number three, train for godliness. Okay, anyone here who has a, a gym class this year coming up? they still have gym class? PE? Yeah, PE. Uh, when I was in high school, we had gym class. But other than PE, you know, PE, it was kind of lame. You, uh, you, get, you, you get a grade for dressing up. You know, you put your shorts on, your t-shirt, and then you sit in the bleachers, and you got an A in PE. Uh, but there was another class called gym class. You, you, you have to dress up, but you also have to go to the, to the gym and, and work out. Like we had uh, you know, these cards, uh, the program that we were doing in high school is BFS, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. And um, all year it was you know deadlift and squat and um, power clean and all kinds of things. And then, and then you track your, your progress on this, on this card, on the BFS program. That was our gym class. Now, um, the, and does any uh, one of you know what that word gym means? Or where that's from? No? Yes?
I'd be like, that's a seed. She'd be like, no. I'd be like, that's a fruit. No, it's a vegetable. <laughs> it's like everything is a fruit. Everything is a vegetable. Yes. Yeah, to train. And they did train back then in the olden days with, with less clothes because they didn't want anything to impede their training. Um, but but the, the root word is, is, is more on the, the training, like hard training. And, um, and this is in, uh, in verse seven, the rest of verse seven all the way to verse nine, look at it. On the other hand, so this is the second sentence in verse seven. On the other hand, discipline, so that's the gymnasium word, the, the gymnazo uh, word, to train hard. Uh, gym, like gym yourself or train yourself for the purpose of what? Triple B's? <laughs> to look good? To fit in your clothes? Yes. Purpose of godliness. Of godliness. Right, it's right there. For the purpose of godliness. If you ask me, what what does it what does it mean to be to be godly? Well, it's you know simply it's to be like God, right? If you're a Christian, God is your father, and if He is your father, you you, you need to be like Him. So you, you're godly. That's godliness. So you need to train yourself to be like that. Okay. Look at verse eight. For because bodily discipline, so looking nice being fit, you know, big arms, little legs, um, <laughs> um, you know, just to look good, right, like physically speaking, for, for bodily gym, like working out in the gym physically, is only of little profit, it profits you, you know, you won't get a stroke, you won't have, you know, high blood pressure, um, you know, it will be healthy, so there is profit there, but he says, of little micro profit, little profit. But godliness, so becoming like God, becoming like your father, is profitable for all things. For all things in life. If you're godly, you're, you're, you have a lot of benefits. You have a lot of profit. Um, somebody was asking me today, hey, you think uh, so-and-so can, uh, can teach an adult Sunday school class at church? Like, yeah, he can. Um, how about this person? Yeah, I'm sure he can. You know, all those guys can teach. But you know what gets you to to have a lot of opportunities in the church and in life and in, in the workplace is if you are godly. If you're godly, there's a lot of profit. There's a lot of benefit. You'll, you'll go far if you're godly. Okay? For all things, since it holds promise for the present life, so right now, Verse 10. 
Therefore, it is for this we labor and strive. That word labor is to, uh, to work so hard to the point of weakness. You know, like, like cutting your grass in the summer. Like you really need to finish it, but you're almost gonna pass out because it's so hot. That's that word labor. And then strive, literally the word there is to agonize. Like you're in agony because you're working so hard. For what? For for being for being godly, for, for doing the hard work of of the, that discipline. For it is for that that we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. You want to be like God, you want to be godly. Who is the savior of all men, especially believers. So don't sh- don't shy away from hard work. If if uh, if you want to read the Bible in one year, that's hard work. Don't shy away from that. Embrace it. If you want to memorize a passage, that's hard work. You know, that's labor and striving, but you got to do it, right? If you if you want to grow in one area of your of your Christian life and it's hard work, don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Labor and strive. Paul's saying. Here's here's the the fifth one, the fifth priority of a disciplined person. And that is uh, proclaim, proclaim or or teach or share biblical truth. Get truths from the Bible, truths that you've learned, truths that you know from the Bible. Uh, it's not just for your benefit. It's uh, it's for other people. It's for your siblings. It's for your cousins. It's for your classmates. Okay, whatever you're learning from Sunday morning and in student ministries, uh, from Pastor Scott, from the book that we're gonna start in discipleship group. It's a prescription, right? And and you're supposed to take that medication. And that's the same idea here. Prescribe, not medicine, but God's word. Give it to people. Say, hey, I think I know what's going on. It seems like you and I are struggling with lust. It seems like you and I are struggling with anger. Look at these passages. We need to prescribe these passages to ourselves and obey them. That's what Paul is saying. Prescribe and teach these things. Last one, okay, the sixth priority of the disciplined servant of Christ. Model spiritual maturity. Okay, model spiritual maturity. Have you guys ever met a young person who was spiritually mature? Not only because that person knows their Bible, not only because that person, you know, looks mature, um, but just you know, humble, godly, uh, 
ways. Have you ever met someone like that, so mature spiritually speaking, and then you find out later that that, that, that person is younger than you? I've experienced that many times. Anyone here experienced that? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Um, for those of you, you you'll, you'll meet that person. Okay, you'll meet that person one day, and the Lord's going to use that person to show you that you have a lot of growing to do, spiritually speaking. Um, and, and that's what Paul wants to teach us here in verse 12. Look at verse 12. Model spiritual maturity, verse 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. Does it bother, bother you when your parents say, Ah, oh, he's only 11. Or your friends, they say, Ah, oh, what do you expect? He's in ninth grade. Right? That, that bothers us sometimes, right? When people look down on our youngness. Right? Not, not, uh, let me clarify this. He, Paul's not saying, don't let anyone look down on your youthiness. Like, if you're youthy, that's not a good thing. Like, if you're, like, immature and just, like, you know, acting like you're five years younger, uh, that's not a good thing. That's youthiness. Youthfulness is a, is, is a good thing because it's just saying that you're young in age. So, Paul says, don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness or on your youngness, but rather, in speech, you can say godly speech, Conduct, you can say godly conduct, love, biblical love, and faith, you know, your, your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and purity, purity with your with your mouth, in your mind, in your thoughts, in your actions, you know, they're pure, not, not impure, not sensual, not sexual, not immoral. In those things, Paul says, show yourself, or, or mo model, model it as an example of those who believe of other Christians in the church. If somebody says, oh, you, you're so young, oh, you're, you're so inexperienced, you're only a teenager, don't, don't get angry, don't say, I'm gonna show that person, yeah, I'm gonna show them my driver's license, you know, I just started driving last week, I actually have a bank account, I actually work at Chick-fil-A, I'm actually a manager. Now, that's not how you prove <laughs> that you're actually more mature than your age, Paul says, here's how you prove it. In your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. When people see that, they'll say, wow, that person is more mature than his or her age. More spiritually mature. And this is what, gonna, that, what they're going to tell other people. Oh yeah, so-and-so, yeah, he's wise beyond his years. She's wise beyond her years. What they mean is that you're more mature than the typical teenager. And that's, that's one of the best compliments you can ever hear. When somebody says that, yeah, I did not know that you were only this age because you are so spiritually mature. If people are saying, oh yeah, that person's so youthy. You know, it's all about this, all about that, not thinking about spiritual things, not thinking about the Bible, not loving God, impure in his speech, impure in his conduct, uh, it, you know, just so youthy, just a typical American worldly teenager. That's not good. Okay, that's not good. Um, you want to be, you want to be a model of spiritual maturity. 
to prioritize these things so that you can be a disciplined servant of Christ. Crave God's word. Avoid distractions. Train for godliness. Embrace hard work. Proclaim biblical truth. And model spiritual maturity. Okay. If you do that, you'll do well in school. If you do that, you'll do well in in everything that you do as a young as a young Christian, as a young person. And remember, Paul says all these things have profit, have benefit in the present life and in the life to come. So you can definitely start working on these. As, as a young person. So, questions or comments on that before I open up to any other questions? I, I know I just gave you like principles. I didn't really give you like what, like how to's. Like, this is what you do, this is what I do, this is what you shouldn't do. So, if you want to flesh the principles out so that you can put them in applications, you feel free to ask those questions. Yes, Bella. Avoiding distractions? Okay, that, that's a great question. Bella asked, how do you go about addressing distractions uh, or avoiding distractions? Well, number one, you're not gonna avoid distractions if you if you don't val if you if you don't see the value of of the thing that you really need to do that you're being distracted away from. And if you don't see the harm of that distraction, if you keep doing it, if you if you if you're not convinced in those two arenas, in those two things, you're not really gonna avoid the distraction. So let's say um, video game is distracting you from spending time with your parents. Well, how about this? Your phone. Your phone is distracting you. Um, every time you're supposed to have dinner with your family around the dinner table and people are sharing how, how, how the day went and your dad is sharing, you know, a, a scripture and your dad's praise uh, and you're down here. Yeah, yeah, math was great. Oh, what? What? Susie did? Oh, congrats, Susie. That's cool that you uh, are potty trained. That's the distraction when you're supposed to be having quality and quantity time with your with your family, right? So if you don't see the value of what your friends are trying to uh, to build in, in your home, you know, uh, quality time as a family, because you guys are already busy, if you don't see the value of that, and if you don't see the harm of the distraction, you're you're not really going to work really hard on avoiding that. Um, but. Once, once, once you know that, that okay, this is actually really important, and this is actually a distraction. Once you know that, then you can you can make some practical changes. Um, put your phone away before before dinner. Like we have a rule in our home that we we um, we, we we try not to be on our phones while we're eating. You know, and we want to start that early, that early, even though we have five little kids. You know, it's really hard to talk to you know a nine-year-old and a seven-month-old if, 
it is tempting to just say, okay, let me just check my phone. You know, I'm talking to a bunch of little kids, but we're trying to train ourselves that dinner time, around the table, uh, that's family time. So that's our rule, you know, you don't, you don't check your phone. And another rule is that we, uh, if you get done eating, you don't just put your plate in the sink and then go in the living room and start playing. No, you wait till everybody's done eating because everybody is talking. We're, we're still talking as a family. So just some, some rules. It could be a phone, it could be, you know, uh, Narnia books, it could be a cell phone, apps, it could be video games. Um, but once you're convinced that that can actually distract you so much that it's harmful, that you're missing out on something that's very special. Um, when, once you're convinced in that, then you can do all kinds of practical things. You can ask your parents some, some practical ways to avoid distractions. There, there are a lot of things that you can do. No TV in your bedroom, that, that's a good one. Why have TV in your bedroom? So you can have alone time by yourself. You know, come home after school, lock your door and watch TV and you wait till your mom says dinner's ready. Like, that, that's not honoring. So there are a lot of ways to, to do that. That's a great question. question. Anything else about First Timothy 4? Being disciplined, all those things, craving God's word, embracing hard work, Training for godliness. Yes, Mr. Ray. What if, what if the thing that we're wanting to value, we it's, we're having a difficult time valuing that over the worldliness of, of maybe our distractions? How would you suggest, you know, maybe we're you know, wanting to love the church more, wanting to love our family more, wanting to love the church better, but, but we see all these other things. asking what if we're struggling valuing the things that we should be valuing and we keep going back to the distraction saying that that's actually more valuable than that that, that's, that makes sense um, so I know it's in 1st Corinthians so, so just wait till I find it I know it's in 1st Corinthians on the right side so one second you guys know it's the it's the one where Paul says um, why why 
says uh, the, the second question there in verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And the question is uh, nothing. I've received everything that I have. And if you did receive it, and yes, I have received everything that I have, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You're right. Why am I boasting as if, you know, I am entitled to these things? So, so sometimes the things that are valuable, um, we just take for granted. You know, family, that's valuable, but we're like, well, everybody has a family. So I don't really need to value that. Everybody has a mom, everybody has a dad. Well, that's not true, right? Um, a good church, everybody goes to church. Everybody has a good church. Who doesn't have a youth group? Everybody goes to youth group, that's not true. Right? So I think when we start seeing God's blessings, the things that we have that He gave us, right? When, when we start seeing those things as something that's kind of like we, that, he, that He owes us or something that we're entitled to, something that everybody has, right? Like a, a common uh, uh, a commodity for everybody. When we start seeing those things as that instead of an undeserved blessing, then we're not going to see them as something that's valuable. Gift. 
an undeserved privilege. As a young Christian, I am the most privileged person alive. I have a family, my mom is a Christian, my dad is a godly man, I have a Bible, I go to NCC, I go to this church. When you start seeing it that way, then you're going to start valuing the things that God wants you to value. But if you're like the typical teenager who says, how come I don't have that? How come I don't have that? Yeah, the things that I have, yeah, I work hard for those things. The things that I have, well, it's because my family is rich. The things that I have, well, everybody has those things, so I'm not that special. If that's your attitude, you're not going to value those things. You're going to be easily distracted. Okay, every, listen, students. Everything that you have is an undeserved gift. There's only one thing that we all deserve. What is it? Hell. So anything outside of hell is an undeserved gift. Even trials. So when that is your mindset, okay, a, a heavenly mindset, a humble mindset, you're going to value things that God values. And you're going to start seeing distractions in your life and you're going to start working on them and, um, and you'll start to grow. And I have to think that way, you know. I can't say, man, five kids. I have to say, wow, five kids. You know, my wife has to, my wife has to say, God, my husband. She has to say, my husband. <laughs> you know, because everything is a, is a gift. You know, when you see everything as a gift that you don't deserve, that God, because God gave it to you, because he's a gracious and generous, loving, kind God, you're going to value those. You know, you know who I uh, look forward to FaceTiming often? my parents and it reminds me of, of how how I let myself get so distracted when I was your age because I didn't really want to be around my parents so. yeah that, that's a great question from Bella and Chris about distractions valuing what God values Anything else, guys? We have 15 minutes for more questions. It can be about First Timothy 4, about being disciplined. It can be, it, it could be other things too. Again, give me some like how tos. Like, how would you handle? You know, what should I do about? I'm struggling with. Because again, it's easy to stump me if you say, "Hey, what? What's the shortest passage in the book of Habakkuk?" Yes. How do, how do I remember what I'm studying and reading from the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Anyone struggles with that here, other than two of us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you? Um, yeah. If if. If Paul's saying, hey, make sure you're being nourished with God's word. Make sure you're craving God's word. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be disciplined. Right? I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to study. But then you're like, what did I just learn? Or maybe you're saying, man, that is so cool. That's so good. 
and then like four hours later you've forgotten it, right? That happens to me a lot. Um, I'll be studying for Sunday morning, right? And then I have all these thoughts, you know, from my study, and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a great one. And then uh, the next day I'm like, I don't remember them. Um, so he here's here's my advice. Um, first of all, um, the more you the more you read and study the Bible, um, the more you're gonna grow. But it's not like this. You know, it's gonna be like, but it's going up, right? Um, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, and um, you know, your leaders have been studying the Bible for a long time. But but our our Bible knowledge and growth is, is like that. Like you know, it's up and down, but if you if you step back it looks like a line that's going up. So so let that encourage you. Like you don't have to know everything that you're reading and studying. You don't have to memorize everything. Um, and everything that you memorize you don't have to keep in memory for the next ten years. Uh, I've memorized a lot of passages. I don't have I don't have all of them in still committed in memory. That's fine. Um, but just be encouraged that over time, and I'm saying like years, okay, years, over time, you you are going to grow. So, so that's my first advice. My second advice is, is be good at how you read. Um, there's a book called uh, How to Read a Book. <laughs> Have you read that, Chris? <laughs> no, uh, when uh, when uh, Whitney uh, uh, recommended it, she got by my factory and saw our bookshelf. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's one of those just be one. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but you guys are bright. I'm pretty sure you can get that book and you can understand it. It's called How to Read a Book. Um, I don't know if there are other versions of that I hope I hope that you'll get the right one um, but I, I'll, I'll uh, maybe I'll look it up and then, and then tell you on Sunday but it it's a it's a it's a good book it just tells you how how to be good at reading books especially especially Christian books and, and the Bible here's here's how I read the Bible okay here's my first option and I started this when I was young when I first got saved, because I did not like reading, okay? There, I only finished one book in high school, okay? It was To Kill a Mockingbird by Ma Maya Angelou. I don't remember the story, but I only finished one book in high school because I did not like reading. And I cheated, I Googled things. Uh, but when I got saved, uh, that, that was a major change in my life because I wanted to read the Bible. Um, so, so my my first option of reading is is for discipline. Okay, for discipline. That means that I'm I'm gonna I'm really gonna you know put a lot of parameters and rules on myself so that I would be disciplined in reading. So, so I would say, okay, uh, this month I need to read ten chapters a day. But then I'd start small. You know, I started with two chapters, three chapters. Four chapters, um, and then I got to ten chapters a day. So it, it wasn't so much knowing everything that I'm reading, but it was more for being disciplined. 
So that's your first option. You can read for discipline. My second option is you can read. You can read for for uh, comprehension to like comprehend and understand what you're reading. Um, how I do that is I don't I don't read books in the Bible. Um, I pick topics, and I pick a topic that I really want to learn, or a, a topic that I'm struggling with. Okay, let's say I'm struggling with money, right? I think money is for me. I think I should be able to just use my money for me. I think that I should have more money, and I, uh, you know, that I can retire early so that I can just have a lot of money. <laughs> so, so let's say I struggle with money, right? Um, so I'm going to go with option two, not so much for discipline, but for comprehension, to comprehend what the Bible says about money. So I would look up all of the passages that talk about money, and then I would, I would read them and write them down and categorize them. Okay, these passages talk about uh, the idolatry of money. These passages talk about the, you know, the benefit of money. These passages talk about the wrong ways of, of accumulating money. Now you might be saying, well, you, can't you just like buy a systematic theology big fat book and, and all those things are, are, are there? You can. But for me, if I work hard for something and I finish it, I'm more inclined to value it and go back to it. Right? So, like Proverbs, right? I started reading Proverbs and I started reading it for comprehension. Okay, I want to I want to know everything that Solomon has to say about the lazy person. And I did that. How about alcohol? I did that. How about uh, sexual sexual lust? I did that. And the more you the more you do that, it's like you know it's like discovering it's like mining for gold, and you you get one gold nugget, and you're like, man, there's more down there. You keep digging. Oh, look at that, there's more, right? It gets you excited. So so you don't really need to be disciplined anymore like you need rules, like, oh, you have to read for 15 minutes, you have to read 10 chapters a day. You don't need that anymore because you're so excited discovering a lot of things from, from the Bible. So that, that's my approach, okay? I read for discipline and I read for comprehension. Um, I think if you mix those two, You'll, you'll start to, like I said, grow like this. That, does that sound doable? Yeah, you can, you, can, you can look at my Bible, you can look at your leader's Bible, you can look at Leslie's Bible. Um, we have verses for big categories. And we didn't just go online and look them up. We actually looked them up wrote them down. So if you ask me, hey, Pastor Roy, uh, give me some verses about, you know, about um, pride, I can go to my Bible and give you those verses. And that gets me excited. That gets me want to read my Bible. Yes, like. So how do you do first John? Yeah. Five sixteen. Well, that might puzzle me too. Let's see. Version five sixteen. What's the First uh, John five sixteen. It's puzzling. Okay. 
If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, a particular sin not leading to death, he shall ask, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request request for this. That is puzzling. And um, I used to have an answer to that question, but I kind of retracted it because I feel like I don't know the whole context of 1 John to be confident in my answer. So I would have to uh, go back to you with a more confident answer. So, because it, what's puzzling is, okay, uh, John is telling his readers, hey, um, pray for those people who are sinning. Um, but don't pray for those people who are sinning in this way. You know, those who are sinning, uh, committing sin that, 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 that doesn't lead to death, yeah, pray for those people. But those people who are committing sin that leads to death, yeah, don't pray for them. So that's how far I've gotten. Uh, the next big question is, what is what what is the sin that leads to death? And another question is, is that physical death or spiritual death? I I, I don't know. But my my old pastor told me, you're not gonna know every single verse in the Bible, right? Uh, not even. You know the best pastors out there know every know every, know what every single verse in Bible means. But he said, when you when you uh, face a puzzling verse or a or a verse that's really difficult to understand, my old pastor said, it's like hitting a wall. Like you're walking here and you hit that wall, right? You're like, man, I can't go anywhere else. You know, this the wall is right here. I want to see what's what's on the other side of the wall, and and sometimes God doesn't let us see what's on the other side of the wall. Uh, he he puts the wall there so that we can just trust Him and worship Him, even though we don't really know exactly what one what one verse is talking about. So my old pastor called that the wall of worship. He's like, hey, there are a lot of Bible verses that I still don't know, but you know that's when I just hit the wall and then I get on my knees and worship God. I don't try to climb over the wall if uh, if that's not what he wants you to do. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't study it, but you should study it, but sometimes it's just you know, puzzling. Maybe we'll do first John after first Peter. But then you'd be, you know, you'd be in college by the time we get to uh, chapter
you, if you don't ask them, they start ask, asking you guys questions. say yes and no. It may sound like a cop-out answer. Um, okay, so here's why. When when he, so he gets baptized by John the Baptist, right? So the Holy Spirit is now residing in Jesus Christ. So he gets baptized, and right away the Spirit led him where? Where? To, to the desert, the wilderness, right? And it's very specific in order that Satan may tempt him. Okay, what what are temptations for? They lure us, they tempt us to do what? To sin. Right? And that's certainly what Satan did, right? For 40 for 40 days, right? Um, Satan would say, "Hey, look at all look, you know, look as far as you can. Okay, you see that? Yeah, that that can be all yours if you do this." That's 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 a that Satan is tempting Jesus to sin, and the sin there would be you know forget forget this incarnation, forget this me you know taking on human flesh so that I can be like this human beings. I am God, you know all these things are mine. So so let me just go back to heaven and claim and claim this. That would be the sin because that's not God's will for for Jesus. So. Yes, Satan was tempting him to sin, yet, yet Jesus didn't say, well, this is easy, you know, because you can't really tempt me because I'm God. This is easy. Why are you even doing this? He, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus um, um, uh, combated the, the temptation. He said, no, you know, according to Scripture, you know, uh, God, uh, the Old Testament said this, or my father said this, right? So he definitely was, um, you know, speaking truth against Satan's temptations, against his lies. Now, does that mean that that he was going to sin if he did not do that? I don't, I don't think so. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that that he didn't have to make a choice, because definitely he, he was definitely making a choice to, to to say no to temptation and say yes to God's word. Um, so, yeah, he definitely was tempted by Satan and by the world. Um, I believe that he was even tempted. Yeah, he, I believe that his greatest temptation was in the garden. You know, he's looking at the sins of the world and he's saying, you know, I'm too holy to take on this. You know, me and sin don't go together. 
So God, my Father, is there any other way? But again, he went back to God's will. He went back to God's word. Not my will, but yours be done. So yes, he never sinned, but but he never sinned not only because he's God who could not sin, but also because he was human who fought against temptations with, with God's word. So that us human beings can have a model of, uh, of someone who can fight sin, uh, temptation and sin in the same way, like Hebrews talks about. So, yeah, yeah, yes and no, I think. <laughs> but it's clear that he did not sin, he didn't choose to sin. But it's clear that he was tempted to sin, but he did not give in. Because he's God, and because he has the Holy Spirit, and because he relied in, in his Father. Okay, Elias, ask your dad, Pookie, ask your dad those questions too. Last one, quick one. before he died, he said, Father, into what? Your hands I commit my spirit. Implying that as soon as he died, his spirit would go to heaven. Good, good question. guys. Um, again, we have a few weeks break from Wednesday night, Sunday, Sunday morning. We'll see you there. And then we'll start D-Group. The church, uh, you'll, 
We got an email about the book. And uh, okay, let's take a break, okay? Dear Lord, thank you for uh, our time together. Thank you for our uh, seven, eight, eight weeks of uh, swimming studies. Um, we want to praise you for saving um, all the leaders from their sin, from your wrath, and um, and giving them the opportunity, giving us the opportunity to share the gospel and how you saved us to all these students. We're thankful for the same work that you're doing in the students. You're, you're saving students. You're growing students. Uh, we just want to give you all the glory for that. Uh, thank you for our host tonight, Slongas. I uh, pray that you would bless this home, this, this family. And uh, we're grateful for the break. And we look forward to uh, starting our, our D groups on Wednesday nights. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. 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 Thank you, guys